listen. Friendship. Entertainment. Welcome back to Cinema 7. I'm your host. I guess, well, I'm not your host. I'm co-hosting today, okay? I'm the host, okay? okay Chris Hawk's the host, because... I'm the host. <laughs> right, it does start off with fire. and you're... I am fire personified, okay? Yes, that's that's, that's what, what I'm am. trying to say. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. The endless fiery gambit, that would, that would be me. We're, uh, this is Last Jedi Revisited, okay? So... Disclaimer. I want to, you know what? I want to start off from the top with an apology. Chris okay. Hawk, back in the day, when we did our Last Jedi podcast with Mr. Nixon. Yeah. I was a dick. You think so? I was very mean to him. Yes. Yes. So I think, I think you can agree, you know, sometimes when we love something a lot and people don't like it, we get our feelings yes. hurt. We get our feelings hurt. And that is true. And, I've since then I've learned that other people's opinions of things that I love shouldn't matter as much. And I, you know, that's something I've been trying to work on. So I want to apologize because it was not a very friendly environment to talk about star Wars. You know, I'm trying to be, we're trying to be better than the toxic fandom. We want to be able to talk about something we love and not attack people for it. Cause not everyone Loves The Last Jedi as yeah. much as I do. And I, I feel like we're kind of trying to learn about each other's opinions in a healthy way. That way, like, we are expressing what we didn't like, and we're also expressing what we liked, because I think with everything out there, there's potential things that we all enjoy, and then there's things about it we don't enjoy. And instead of just shitting on it or uh, saying it's bad, you know, I, I think we can all agree that there's missed opportunity, missed potential in the sequel trilogy. It's just that I think we wanted it to be better. But, you know, there's we're not going to attack, you know, the, the actors or or Kathleen Kennedy or anything like that, because I, I think we believe that, you know, the actors, they did phenomenal jobs in the sequel trilogy. I think their acting was fantastic. You know, I I just think it's there was no it might have been excitement to get out a product that will make the company money without and that kind of rushed them into things without making a plan or putting forth a plan. They kind of rushed people into the job to get it done and put out as fast as they could as soon as they had the product. 100%. And I I think, you know, when we started Fire and Ice, a long time ago, me and Mario didn't agree on a lot, and we had fiery discussions, and we were ice cold to each other afterwards. But I, I think, mean, hey, I think doing this fire and ice special made us see that we're, we can talk to each other about differing opinions and not attack each other and not attack the things that we say and get mad and stuff. Because at the end of the day, we're still two best friends that love the Matrix, and that's. <laughs> How we became best friends. Yeah, exactly. But I think the podcast in general kind of helped us have uh, respect each other's opinions better. I, originally, we wanted Fire and Ice to be about us arguing, but it, <laughs> I don't think it ever was that. It, it, <laughs> and we never, yeah, we never argued. So it's like we had more things in in common. Uh, I think than we originally thought. That's why it didn't work out. That's why. That's why. It's just why it didn't work out. We weren't argumentative enough. That's what the people want. That's what they want. How did you feel about your rewatch of The Last Jedi? It was great. I worked out during it. You know how Chris Hawk does now. He always be biking. While he always fun. be biking. <laughs> always while... be biking. What I was looking for was like 
I was looking for the relationships between the characters. I was looking at and the things that I didn't like and the things that I did like and see if they held up. And I was looking for the small ways that they were using the force and the new ways, like how Leia's uh, Mary Poppins ability and then Luke's illusion force use. I was I was mm. really pleased with those moments. I think overall it was a very good rewatch because usually Chris Hawk doesn't rewatch movies. It's not a thing I do. I usually see a movie once and then I never see it ever again. Now, unless we're talking about fave movies, you know, I'll watch yeah. those again. If Die Hard's on, I'm watching Die Hard all the time, all the time, 100 percent. And this kept me interested and entertained throughout the entire way through. So I would say the rewatch was it was a very successful rewatch. I still at the end of the day. It's still my favorite Star Wars movie. It's not my, it might not be the best Star Wars movie because I still think A New Hope, Phantom Menace, and Return of the Jedi are the best. I wasn't able to see the original Star Wars in theaters. So yeah. seeing, seeing the old, tr- the prequels and then seeing the sequels, and I mean, it's, they're all special. But I remember Phantom Menace being the one I enjoyed the most out of the, the prequels. How was your We Watch, Mario? So I think every time I rewatch this movie, there's more I like about it, but there's also a lot that I not, I I don't want to say there's a lot that I dislike. I mean, there are things I dislike about this movie, which we'll get into, but there's a lot of things where I feel like this is missed opportunity. This is missed potential. And I don't necessarily think that's Ryan Johnson's fault. I think that's the way they set up this series where they had a JJ Abrams doing the first one. He did what he wanted to do with star Wars. Then you give it to Ryan Johnson and Ryan Johnson has to follow that. And he's like, okay, well, what do I want to do with star Wars and how do I separate it from the other star Wars movies? Not to cut you off or anything, but they have the hardest job in Hollywood is to make a star Wars movie and then not get shit on by the fans. And they still got shit on by the fans. The hardest thing in Star Wars in 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 Hollywood is to make a Star Wars movie and not be George Lucas. And the problem is with Star Wars fans is even George Lucas made Star Wars and they shit on him. So hundred percent preach, brother. Just preach the gospel of Star Wars. Just preach. Yeah. They were going to have a different director do his own Star Wars with Rise of Skywalker, which you know Colin Trevorrow. I, I'm going to say it. I think is the most basic director in Hollywood. I think uh, him, he orders a plain coffee at Starbucks. Yeah, he's plain. All right. He, he's very plain. Obviously, he didn't get to make his Star Wars and they brought back JJ. And I felt like maybe they thought he could tie up what, you know, people liked about his Star Wars. But ultimately, they should have had the same director make all three. They should have had the same writers for all three. That way they knew, you know, what they where they were going and and. You know, that ties into people complaining about them not having a plan and, and things like that. So because clearly JJ wasn't pleased with what Ryan did with Ray's backstory or what he was trying to do with Poe and Rose and Finn because they were kind of sidelined for the third movie. And that's just Oh yeah, very much so. I mean, I can't tell I've only seen Rise of Skywalker once. I haven't rewatched it yet. And I just I, I don't want to rewatch it. Yeah, I'm and it shouldn't be like that. It's Star Wars. I can't tell you how many times I've seen A New Hope. Countless. And you know what's weird is, well, let's get into it. We have Me and Chris Hawk came up with three topics for this. We're going to talk about building off of the first one, because a lot of people have an issue with that, because it's so derivative of a lot of ideals and, and stuff, mystery things that J.J. put in the first one. Uh, that's terrible terminology, but... I think you guys understand the mystery um, box. You know, JJ likes the mystery box. He likes shooting out a whole bunch of stuff and mm-hmm. seeing what lands and what sticks. And I don't think Ryan was going in the direction that JJ wanted. Yes, exactly. Thank you. We're going to talk about the Canto bite scene with Finn and Rose. We're going to talk about their uh, relationship, those two characters. And then, We'll just do what Chris Hawk deemed dealer's choice, which means we'll uh, we'll riff off of some stuff, maybe ask each other some questions, and uh, 
that'll be kind of like the third topic there be about whatever let's start it off building off of the first movie did you think this built off of the first movie and i i I think it did and i think it did it perfectly you've got ray who is searching for her destiny she's searching for her place in the world and she's she's looking for a, a role model a parent figure because of course she was abandoned she's looking for someone to guide her she had han han's a okay mentor you know but still at the end of the day han does his own thing he kind of looks out for number one but then you know he was looking out for kylo too that didn't work out for him Mm -hmm. han dies she's lost her mentor again you know she has abandonment issues it happens she meets luke luke's not the figure the legend that she thought which you, you know one of the things i wrote down which i thought was a theme of this was never meet your heroes Right. It's, you know, you got Rose meeting Finn and seeing that he's still human. He tried to to, to um, desert the rebel resistance. Mm-hmm. You have you have Ray meeting Skywalker, you know, it's and, and him not being in a way. Ray is is all of us. Ray wanted to see the Luke Skywalker of the old like we all wanted to do like the a lot of the fans who complained that we didn't get the Luke Skywalker that we wanted or that we should have gotten because of where he was in Return of the Jedi and everything he's been through um, is kind of what Ray wanted. You know, I, I think Ray was us, the audience. And then Luke was, you know, the reality of what could happen to an individual or your, your any of the heroes that you have is that they are you. They are human. They are... Uh, they have flaws. They can have trauma of their own. And I, I got that vibe this time around where the first time, you know, I was very much wanting Luke of old. And I, I mean, I still want Luke of old. I still want that return of the Jedi Luke. A lot of me still thinks that they could have gave us that. But I, I think I see the theme now of what he was going with, if that's what he was trying to showcase. And I think it makes the movie more enjoyable when we don't have a character that it's just omnipotent. Because in Legends, I, don't, I think I, I sent you that um, TikTok of how powerful Luke is. Did yeah. You, do you remember? He is literally, in Legends, the most powerful Force user of all time. There's no, there's no one that comes close. And I don't know... I'm sure 100% that Chris Hawk would not have wanted that in this movie. It's just, you know, we don't need a Superman in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. We need human characters. And I think the Luke we see is the Luke that he has always been. Luke takes failures very hard. I mean, we see it in in Empire. We see it in Return. We see it everywhere. When he can't do it, he kind of throws kind of a fit. I mean, he literally tries to pick up the X-Wing at Dagobah, fails, throws kind of a fit, Yoda steps in, does it for him. Like, we see how he deals with failure. He doesn't deal with failure well. So Mark Hamill does look great in this movie, though. Phenomenal. Every costume that he... Did you notice that he was dressing better as the movie goes on? I was was looking at that. I was like, because he's in rags, basically, when we first meet him. And then he's wearing, at the end, when he goes to to burn the tree where he knows, I mean, he doesn't get a chance because he falters, but he's wearing OG his Jedi robes. And it's, it's beautiful. I also think that one of the things that Luke believed in this, which I think kind of is a good, is kind of what we get in Luke from legends because Luke in legends is almost like the great Jedi. He, he, he wants to incorporate love and, and affection and things that the Jedi didn't want to into his, uh, right. because he gets married, he has yeah. kids, but he's still one of the best Jedis of all time. Yeah. Yeah. He learned that caring for your friends, loving for your friends isn't a bad thing. And, and I got that vibe here because I think he believes to claim the force is the ultimate betrayal of the force. So the Sith want all the power. The Jedi, I think in a way, he believes, you know, try to claim the force as theirs by shunning out those attachments 
the force itself is just bigger than the Jedi and the Sith, in his opinion. Yeah, it's like that. What they never did was teach Jedi's how to deal with failure and loss. Because if they taught Jedi's how to feel with loss better than just saying you're going to the dark side, they wouldn't have gone to the dark side. They would have learned that this is just a part of life. Loss, grief, it's all a part of the life we live. And it makes us stronger when you when you have that connect those connections is what makes us strong. You know, it's Qui-Gon all over again. Him being yeah. nice, him being nice to Jar Jar. You know, it's him him being nice to this slave on Tatooine. That's those these connections. That's what makes yeah. a Jedi good. You know, doing the best that he can with these connections. And he knew he knew that these connections yeah. don't make people bad. You know, um, love love doesn't make you bad. It's exactly. You know, Anakin was obsessed with saving Padme so much that he forgot why he loved her and cherished her. He was afraid of losing her. And that's not how you yeah. live life. You don't live life afraid. Yes, I have learned that lesson very hard. And I should have seen it the whole time because I'm a big Star Wars fan, but it takes you it takes real life experiences to actually to actually learn that sometimes. But we we kind of went on a tangent there. Uh building okay, off of the first movie. Let's, yeah, let's let's get back to Poe. We see Poe at the at the end of Force Awakens hotshot pilot, right? Yeah. Who else is a hotshot pilot in the Star Wars universe? Me, me. <laughs> Evelyn. Uh, yeah, and then it's Han Solo. Han Solo, yeah. hotshot pilot, helps out the rebels in the last in the A New Hope, and then wants his money and leaves. Type of you thing. Know, this movie didn't even really need a crawl, in my opinion. They only they, only they only they only crawls. I, I mean, look, I love seeing the crawl. It's the fan with the fanfare. It's beautiful. I, I feel like I'm putting this such a like a uh it just it puts me somewhere uh, it gives me joy it, it puts me in a familiar place and the way it picks up off of the other one i feel like it didn't need a crawl it didn't really need to explain anything so maybe they should have waited not like pick up exactly where they left out yeah but, but you almost needed to because of how force awaken ends with her handing the lightsaber to luke cuz people want to see that People want to see that interaction. So I think JJ kind of set Ryan up for a weird opening. Yeah, I, he kind of did. Because every other, you know, A New Hope in Empire is a couple months. I think it's like four months. I mean, you're not going to give people that scene, right? Where she interacts with Luke for the first time. How, how can you not give people that? So you got to write that in, right? Like, at least that's what I think Ryan's thinking, but if he would have set him into a place where he didn't have to go right into another movie, maybe that would have changed the whole pace of the movie or what Ryan was doing with this movie. Uh, if he would have gave himself, you know, like time in between who knows, I still hate the Poe and Hux interaction that still, you don't, uh, you don't like uh, general, dude, I, you don't like the mom joke. So he, here's what I wrote down. The Poe and General Hux exchange was too on the nose with humor. Is very Marvel like. I, I didn't like it at you don't, all. You I don't still think, don't like it. You don't think in a generation of galaxies uh -huh. that they, they don't have their own mom jokes. You're telling me they don't have their own mom jokes. My opinion. Okay, you know what? You're right. Let me back up. Let me back up. It is. You're right. It is. Okay? That of, makes sense. It, it is out of flavor. You know, with. You don't, they could have delayed another way. Poe's a smart guy. He could have delayed another way instead of saying your mom or general hugs or something. Yeah. Like, I didn't even feel like the dreadnought was a threat. Yeah, one small light fighter took it down, basically. You know what I'm saying? I will say, though, the beginning here, like the sound effects seem very original trilogy. Uh, the sound effects make me feel like I'm playing the old video games, and I, I really dug hearing all of those like him going over the intercom talking to leia uh just everything all the sound effects involved it, it i mean it's i don't understand how it's not building off of the first one because it goes right off of the first one 
Right. All but, the all the characters grow and have their own small arc. Yeah. Yeah. I can't agree with like a Nick Kenoki or John Kenoki that it doesn't go off of a lot of the ideals or the mystery box stuff that JJ set up. But do I think that's bad after watching the entire sequel trilogy? Well, it's it's good and bad because I think JJ set up a lot of cool stuff, but at the same time I think he what he was setting up would have been doomed to fail. And what he gave us with Rise of Skywalker, I hope that wasn't part of the original plan because I would have still been disappointed. I agree, 100%. But what what are the things from Force Awakens that everyone loved wasn't a part of Last Jedi. What what some of the things uh when I know one of the big ones is when she holds the lightsaber or that lightsaber doesn't give her images. People I think a lot of people wanted that to come over more from the Force Awakens. They wanted to see her um touch the saber and be haunted by it or the saber give her more of a uh visions. I I think people were really deflated or disappointed by Ray just being a nobody. Like, nope, she's a nobody. You know, I think people thought that was a throwaway. They they felt like the anticipation of her being somebody was set up. And then when you get to this movie, it's like, well, she's a nobody. I think people saw that and were like, uh, 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 huh? Uh, because it, it almost feels like a throwaway line just to get it out of the way. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. I think I know a lot of people are disappointed that the three people, the three original trilogy characters didn't get their big moment together. I understand that one, but also at the same time would have been happy without the legacy characters also like a whole, a whole new thing would have been great. You know, we like hearing about them, as legends would be, would have been great. I think I do agree that Leia probably should have died in Last Jedi, but yeah. there's, there was no way they could have foreseen that she was gonna pass. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Ryan also said in interviews afterwards that he wanted people to or to see what she did in this movie. He wanted people to to experience what she gave to this movie. He wanted people to experience her performance in this movie. And when he said that, I was like, okay, I completely understand that. I can't be mad at you for it. But storytelling wise, there's a part of me that's like, but if you would have changed it, I think you could have gave us Luke at least alive in the last movie. Cause I feel like Luke, not alive Leia and Carrie Fisher not being able to be there for the last one, it kind of felt, I don't know, lessened, if that makes sense. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's a double, it's a double-edged sword because you want that performance from Carrie and you want it to stay there. But also your story purposes, you're like, ah, it would have made so much more sense if they would have just done this, just so the last one has has more of what we need. But I mean Thinking logically, Leia's too important a piece to sacrifice herself with this play. You know what I'm saying? She is pivotal to the resistance, and I do not think Admiral Holdo would have allowed her to do it. Just because we well, we know how important the princess is. She's pivotal. Well, my initial thought is, and this is going off of me wanting, because I rewatched this, and I'm going off of my original what I thought they could have done, which, you know, I'm just a regular guy watching movies. I'm not a writer or anything like that. So take that in mind. I know that I'm just spitballing ideas, you know, my off my imagination. I really liked the idea and I wanted more of the Hux and Kylo rivalry. I thought initially, why didn't they have her stay behind the first, the first order go into the cave. General Hux kills Leia and it just, it just pushes more into that rivalry of Kylo and Hux. Because then in the third one, if you wanted to bring Kylo back from the dark to the light, wouldn't 
if he truly found out what Hux did, wouldn't that be one of the things? You killed my mom? Uh, fuck you. You killed my mom? You killed my, you killed my mom? You killed my mom? You killed my mom? I, you know, a lot of things could have been done differently. General Hux could have been a better character. I mean, he was great acting from Dom Hall uh, Gleason. But I feel like by the third movie, he's basically nothing. Yeah, that's true. It, they kind of don't do anything with him in Rise of Skywalker at all. Yeah, I mean, he becomes a traitor. Now, Canto Bite is a lot of things that people wanted to be done differently. How do you people, feel about... Some people don't want it at all in the movie. I can understand. I'm going to say I, a bold... I'm going to say a bold-ass bold statement. Go ahead. All right. I think this is George Lucas's favorite part of the, the movie and or the sequel trilogy, and I can explain. Okay, go ahead. We know George Lucas, very political. The man named one of his villains off a new, uh, one of uh, some politicians. The whole of Star Wars is basically fascism versus freedom, right? Yeah. Canto bite. He did reveal in a recent interview, too, that one of the biggest inspirations as well was the Vietnam War because he felt the U.S. going over there and getting involved in Vietnam, it makes it look like the Vietnam were the little guys. They were the rebels. They were the resistance to this big nation coming over, trying to push their ideals, the U.S. People profiting off a of war. Basically, you know, this war between the Empire and the Republic has been going on nearly forever. Uh, ring any bells like the war in Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, the forever war, people profiting off of it. I, I think this feels like an ideal from the prequels that George Lucas would have used if he had more time. And I think this is like Ryan Johnson's ode to George Lucas. This Finn seeing the true evil of people profiting off of war these people are pretty responsible for the death of his friends and this, the destruction of the galaxy and they don't care. Mm -hmm. And I think George Lucas would have loved this part. And I think that's why Canto bite is important. You know, it's a B plot that kind of is a little bit more important than the main plot of the movie. It really is the reason why, you know, Finn is the audience. He's the viewer. He's not quite sold uh -huh. on the he's not quite sold on the rebellion yet. He's just there because of Ray. He just wants to help his friend out. But then he sees the injustice. He sees the imbalance. He sees people profiting off of death. And he's mm -hmm. like, something has got to change. I think that helps him pick a side more so too. Right. Because and, at right. the end of well, throughout Force Awakens and even the beginning of this, his main goal is I just want to help Ray. I don't care about either side because I want uh, to learn. I want to be free and he hasn't been free since he was a kid. Apparently. Yeah. I think when he meets, uh, what is it? DJ. Yeah. DJ. He's like, mm, I can be like this guy, but in reality, yeah, he's like Finn. It's all about being free, not choosing a side because both sides are doing the dirty. Okay. Behind you back. And I think what DJ is for is, you know, I'm playing devil's devil's advocate against myself because, you know, I'm I don't really like the Canto Bite stuff just because I I don't think it helps the overall plot. Um, is it's showing him who he could be if he ran away, and instead of that, I think Rose showing him all this helps him actually choose a side. It's like okay, I see what's going on here, but there's potential for the resistance to actually do good. Um, did you feel that way? Yeah, I, I believe Finn's the most important character of, the, of all the movies. I, but he, yeah, but I he, think but he I, isn't treated as such, and it kind of sucks. Like, even if he wasn't a Jedi, he should be, because we don't have any... Yeah. I'm not going to say we don't have any main character black Jedis. We don't have any main character black Jedis that are stars of the movie. Mace Windu had a small part. He wasn't the mm -hmm. lead actor of a movie. And John Boyega is fantastic. Phenomenal. And he's free, he's he's fantastic as Finn throughout all three movies. 
and he just deserved way better. Like both characters, Rose and Finn deserved way better than what they got in the script and in Rise of Skywalker because they they both were phenomenal acting. Uh, John Boyega and Kelly Marie Tran. Not only that, they had great chemistry and their charisma shows. I just There was so much potential for these characters. And though I still believe from when I watched this movie the first time that Rose was kind of useless to what's going on, I still, watching it this time around makes me really like her character because I can see the potential and how well Kelly Marie Tran did phenomenal she's she's one of my favorite parts you know she's dealing with the loss of her sister the entire movie yet she still has the strength to go on she still has the strength to be a pivotal part in the resistance you know she's trying to do a hail mary for poe in the resistance and even though they they fail they still tried and you'll disagree with me on this but there's this watching this movie made me want so much more and you know i I can't fault Ryan Johnson entirely because of J.J. Abrams. And now we know what is because of Rise of Skywalker and what we got from that. But there's so much in this movie that just, in my opinion, we, we can say it doesn't build off of the first movie. I just don't think it pushes what it did in this movie forward well enough because it's almost like the plot, in my opinion, is all over the place. And I think Canto Bite, in my opinion, is the perfect uh, example of that because, you know, they're looking for Master Codebreaker. They don't get the Master Codebreaker. They get this other guy named DJ. And though there are those moments and, and elements where we get the characters, uh, like I s- described with DJ, uh, and you see the charisma and the chemistry between John Boyega and Kelly Tran, there is a lot of relationship building there that is really good. It's just that it doesn't help the overall plot because the overall plot is just like Canto Bite. It's just back and forth, back and forth. Okay, we didn't get that. Well, we, we're going to do this. Then that doesn't work. Then we're going to do this. Then that doesn't work. Well, we're going to do this. It, nothing works throughout the whole plot. And that's, I think, my main issue with the movie. Because I see the potential. Ryan Johnson, fantastic director. His imagery, everything he gives, the themes in these movies that I noticed, like I mentioned earlier, don't meet your heroes. What we just talked about with Finn, you know, seeing how the war can affect both sides and how people profit off of it and shit. It's all there. It's just that because there's so much flip flopping, and maybe that's just the what he went through while writing it. Uh, it, it just it bothers me. I feel like the movie could have been better. The, the, everything from the characters down to the movie has I has untapped potential in my opinion. And I will argue that Canto Bite's the most important part of the movie. And that's for the reasons you said. Right. I mean, it's Poe trying to take Uh matters into his own hand, doing the splashiest play. You know, he's doing the super Hail Mary, where sometimes it's not always the flashiest play or the biggest play that wins it's the smartest play and that's what holdo was doing that's why she didn't reveal anything to him because he's he was he was either going to not like the plan which he didn't he didn't like the plan he doesn't like retreating as we as we noticed because he flipped out and then took control of the bridge you know it's he always has got to be in control and that's this is a lesson for his character so you know canto bites a lesson for him and I think Poe needed to learn that because he's very cocky, very sure of himself. He's like the Sith, very overconfident, doesn't think any of their plans could go wrong. See, that's one thing I like. I like the idea of Poe, the idea of teaching Poe a lesson because he's kind of a badass, right? The first one, the beginning of this, he's too untouchable. So to teach the character a lesson, which I, this is one of the other issues people really have in this movie is, it's uh, demasculizing this this character who is very masculine. I guess it's uh, taking a man character and making him uh, 
lesser than a, a woman character or whatever the fuck, you know, people are complaining about with that. I don't really understand it because I, I don't see that. But it's something along those lines, right, that people complain about. I like the idea of teaching Poe a lesson. I think it makes him very vulnerable. And I think we need our characters to feel vulnerable because they're relatable that way. And I think that's what I just, you, you get throughout the entire movie is that not only does Poe fail, but Finn and Rose fail. And then well, Ray fails. And that's part of my problem with the plot, though, is like everybody fails. Like, I mean, everyone, nobody succeeds. Everyone, everyone technically fails an empire. Okay, you got me there. But listen, okay, Chris Hawk. It, the plot, <laughs> it, it goes back and forth so much that they fail every single time. There's no, uh, hey, you failed here, but you won here. At least you got back up here. It, it just feels like everyone's constant. Even the First Order fail. Like, the First Order don't really... Do, do you feel like they win at all? They have backed the Resistance into a corner. And that's kind of what they did at the end of Empire also. Okay, that's a good point. But do you think they succeed in what they were trying to do? They don't really defeat them. So I think this, it's just like the absolute ending of this movie. It's not um, them leaving. It's the boy in the stables. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the rebel, the resistance is supposed to inspire hope. And it inspires hope because there's always a chance. There's always the little man fighting for the other little men. I can see that. I think sequel movies, the middle movies are the hardest movies because you can't really win at all because you have a third movie. So you still somehow need a hopeful ending. Ray survived. You know, she reunited with her best friend, Finn. You know, they just, they defeated a great evil in Snoke together, her and Kylo. Kylo fails in getting her to join. Hux fails uh-huh. in trying to get control of the First Order because you know he wants it. Poe fails in his plan. Finn joins the Resistance, so it's, it's a win for him. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say it's all a wash. It's the, the small character moments where they fail, it changes Rey. She's not open to, ch- to, to turn Kylo anymore. She knows, she closes the door on him. So him turning in the third movie shouldn't have happened. I do like personally when they push them back into on crate. I do absolutely love crystal foxes. Hey, crystal foxes. Some of the best, uh, crystal foxes and ports are the best. Yes. hundred percent. You bring it up. Snoke though. I, I still feel at the end of this rewatch that Snoke had the potential to be the biggest bad of them all. And I felt like it was, it was in a way wasted, but I think even though I didn't like him dying in this movie, cause I wanted him to be the big bad, or I feel like he had the potential to be the biggest of the, of the bads doing in what he did from the get with smashing the helmet, making Kylo feel inadequate to Vader. And and making him, uh, you know, feel bad about wearing the helmet, almost like he's a child. In doing what he did, in killing Snoke, he made the character grow up. I think that was his goal: is was to detach himself from his legacy. And you can look at this as a bad or a negative, but I, I look at it as a positive because I think there's a lot of moments where it's about creating new legacy and having the characters try and become their own or something different versus what JJ did was uh, rely too heavily on nostalgia. I think the negative is just Snoke being there to begin with because he's too, he's too emperor like, and we already went through that Mm -hmm. and we want something new. We want the man, baby tyrant of Kylo to reign supreme. And we kind of get that in three but not a lot of it because he, he ultimately turns back to the light where I believe 
Ryan was truly setting him up to not be redeemable. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I, think I, I truly that. Right. I truly think that there are some people in Star Wars that can't be redeemed. And I, and I think possibly he was going towards that because otherwise you're just retreading the OG trilogy. I do have a negative. Go on. I think from the get, I think Ryan Johnson wanted to undo everything JJ did as quick as possible with creating this new legacy because of JJ relying on the nostalgia. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, I think that's precedented just from the fact that Luke isn't the all powerful almighty that we wanted to see just mm-hmm. with the fact that Snoke is instantly snuffed out. I do have another positive though about Ray, because I know people hate on Ray, call her Mary Sue and, and stuff like that. I think Ryan is making Ray relatable to the common person in this movie who feel like they aren't special or by giving normal people hope that they can be anybody they choose to be. And the idea that, you know, obviously, like I said earlier, you don't meet your heroes because you can be better than them. Because when she learns that she's a nobody, she still embarks on this path of being a Jedi and being who she thought Luke was. That makes her relatable to every normal person who um, wants to be something more. Right. It's, it's just showing how your bloodline, your parents, doesn't, they don't decide who you are. They don't, they don't determine your strength. It shouldn't be who your bloodline is or ancestors are to determine how powerful you are in the Force. It, always come, it has always come from belief and trust. Now, John, John Kenoki did send us a question. And John Kenoki, his opinion of the movie, uh, I think, is still very different from me and you at this point. Because he doesn't like it. And uh, we'll have to have... You know what? The last episode, we'll have uh, John talk about his opinion of Last Jedi. Because I don't think he ever really got it to say it on the podcast. But he, he doesn't like it. He thinks Ryan Johnson is just being different just to be different. And he didn't care about the fans and what they wanted. And he thinks that the plot and being derivative for uh, no reason kind of ruined what happened with Rise of Skywalker. He felt like, you know, these are his opinions that he he felt that the way Ryan changed things kind of affected what J.J. had to do and come back with rise of skywalker i think there's a lot more issues there i think corporate and disney in my opinion got involved but john kenoki asks me and you he says he thinks a ryan johnson solo project outside of the trilogy would have been really good in his opinion do we feel the same so it's still confirmed that he has his star wars solo projects so Uh, it is confirmed but yeah damn right i'm I'm interested. It doesn't even have to be about the Jedi. I'd love anything he does. I'm a I mark. Mean, yeah. I'm a mark for him. Okay. You're you're a Ryan Johnson mark. I I think I agree. If he was creating his own story, starting from square one and then doing each movie in the trilogy, or even writing each movie from start to finish, I think it'd be a lot, a lot better. I think it'd be really good. I think that's where he excels. I think him coming in the middle didn't do him any favors. Uh, Favorite scene, and why is it the Luke and Yoda scene? Look, okay, that is beautiful. It is very beautiful. Okay, it probably is the best scene in the entire movie. I do like the imagery, though, of when Rey is having the the tree and the force call out to her to go to the tree for the books. It feels familiar. It reminds me of like dark crystal, but that whole imagery is great. And everything between Luke and Yoda was also fantastic. 
You know what also I liked is that part between Holdo and Leia. There's not a lot of strong female parts or connections between each other in Star Wars. I'm, yeah. I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to remember and think through all of them. I can't think of any female characters that Padme talked to like that. Uh... Not really. I mean, in there's a deleted scene in uh, Revenge of the Sith where she has dialogue with Mon Mothra, Mon Mothra, Mothra, <laughs> Mon Mothra. It's not very long, and you don't really get a sense that they really know each other. Uh, I don't think Leia and Mon Mothma have any uh, dialogue in Return of the Jedi, so... I don't think you really do get a sense of a relationship between two female characters in Star Wars to have a and, bond. And I definitely think, you know, I watched it and I thought it was cheesy at first, the first time I saw it. But then I, I really paid attention. You know, I was watching their eyes, their facial speech, their expressions, and just how they seemed like really close. I mean, not just like a person that serves under another person, but also friends. That they truly love each other and wish the best for each other. And you, you definitely see it and read it in their eyes. And you know, I think it's, it's a really good part. And I think it gets glossed over because I know a lot of people don't like Holdo. But it's a really good part with Leia and Holdo. I think the, peop- the reason people don't like Holdo is because there should have been more of that relationship. Instead of her trying to hold out information from Poe, and Poe technically not being wrong about her holding information. She doesn't need to tell him shit, and I'll stand by that for the rest of my life. <laughs> I do think seeing Leia as much as we did in this was a delight. And I say, I do like the Mary Poppins part. Leia has always been Force-sensitive. We've seen it in all the other movies. It was nice to see her actually do something. And, you know, I, I'm going to say that. It was nice to see all the fantastical Force things. Because... Yeah, really, I, there wasn't a lot from Force Awakens other than the Force. I guess I'm sure tr- it's like a Force memory. Yeah, but other than that, and then you know, holding the the blaster round in midair, freezing it. When we got the Luke illusion and the Leia Mary Poppins, phenomenal stuff. The reason I like that scene, because I, I can understand why people don't like it. But I love it because of the soundtrack and the feeling it gives me when I watch it. I think the music gives me a sense of, okay, there's hope here. She's saving herself, and she's actually stronger than you think she is. And I always liked the idea of Leia being stronger in a different way than Luke was with the Force. And speaking of connection, I did want to bring up, I think the biggest thing to come out of the sequel trilogy entirely that you know has encompassed everyone's discussions and what they bring into other Star Wars media is Force Dyad. I think that's the biggest thing to come out of the sequel trilogy, and it's in this movie where it starts. And I gotta say, it really worked well. Bridging the two main characters, even though they're light years apart, getting them have a dialogue between each other and get that connection is very important mm-hmm. for the final for their final meet because otherwise other movies they meet once and all this shit happens and we're supposed to believe that there's a deep emotional connection between the two when they have only met once where in this they're meeting multiple times they're feeling each other's feelings through the force they've got a connection now because they're both just so much expectations on both of them and so they're starting to relate and empathize and it's very, it's just, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. You know, and to kind of go off of, you know, the force stuff you're talking about, when Yoda says in the prequels that the dark side clouds everything, I think you get a sense of it here because Snoke can't sense what Kylo's true intentions are. And I think that's the dark side clouding even the dark side. Yeah, I think no matter how powerful you all you are in the dark side, if you remember, in order to become a master, you need to kill your previous master. And as Snoke says, there's a light to meet it. So no matter where the darkness is, there's always going to be light to meet it. And that's one thing I will take out of this for Star Wars uh, 
mythology. Yeah, there's a lot of balance talk, and I really enjoyed it. Yoda, Yoda bringing up balance is also good, too. I think we established the things we agree on and the things we don't agree on. I agree. In the end, you have to take this movie for what it gives you, and what it gives you is a very good adventure story with the characters from Force Awakens. It expands on it. It makes the relationships deeper. It's exciting. You see some stuff you haven't seen before. You get the light speed kamikaze, which people didn't like, which, you know, this is a movie, like George Lucas said and Freddie Pitch Jr. said, it's for the kids. And it always has been for the kids. And, you know, at the end, it even shows the hope in the kids. So is the fight choreography messy? <laughs> sure. <laughs> but did, didn't Luke miss a kick like by like a foot in Return of the Jedi? I mean, yeah, but he still kicked that guy. Okay. With the force. It's not like, it's not like he was going to attack with a staff and it didn't go through because he had to throw it all the way backwards. Or, you know, uh, when she dropped her hand, he could have just swiped or no one got their head cut off or a limb cut off, except for one guy who fell into a pit of something and got chopped up into bitty pieces. You don't like that fight? Chris, Huck, I know you love that fight, so I'm not going to tell you how much it. I how much. Uh... Okay, So in full. <laughs> in the full. Like when you watch it. Normal. It's... It's phenomenal. You're not, pace, you're not supposed great. to watch it in slow motion. Who watches it in slow motion? <laughs> when people break it down, I'm like, you know, maybe that fight isn't really that good. But that's just something we disagree on, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the best. It's one of my favorite fights. Okay. Is it sloppy? I think it's sure. the best fight. It, it's sloppy, but it's still better than the fight in Rise of Skywalker. How about that? There's too Can many. Can we fights. agree on that? There's Can we agree many, on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's too many fights in Rise of Skywalker. Too many, too many. Too fights. many fights. Too many fights. Too many lightsaber fights. You don't need that many, okay? We don't even want to talk about light speed jumping, okay? Because that, that's like light speed teleporting. I, I don't know. You mean light speed, light speed skipping? Is that what they call yeah, it? What, whatever it was. It was that was dumb. Light jumping. So. So. Go ahead. Ultimately, is the movie fun? It's fun. Canto Bite is the pivotal part of Last Jedi. And, you know, go back, rewatch it. You'll see what Ryan Johnson is trying to say. An ode to George Lucas. I think the the connections between Ray and Kylo are very important. And I I think the reason why this movie is my favorite is just because. Luke is my my favorite character in Star Wars next to Obi-Wan. And to see Luke pass by saving others through the Force, I just get a real big Star Wars hope boner. I, I guess that's the best way to say it. Yeah. But it doesn't got to be more complicated than that. You love seeing your best, your favorite characters do some cool stuff. And that's what I saw. I guess the potential of the character themes in this show saves my viewing from a waste of a plot, in my opinion. The biggest miss is more screen time between Luke and Leia. I agree. Because even though their small part together was very sweet, I wanted more of it. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this Fire and Ice special between me and Chris Hawk, The Last Jedi Revisited. And, you know, hopefully you guys come out of this maybe on a more positive note with the movie. Uh, if you guys don't like it, you know, hey, that's your opinion. I'm not going to try to change it. I still have issues with this movie, but I, I have more appreciation for this movie after this revisit. And I also can see from Hawk's perspective about some of the things that he likes about the movie, which... The more you get more perspectives on something, I think the more you appreciate it better. So the more I hear from my best friends about things that they like, the more I appreciate those things. So when I was going into this, I knew Chris Hawk really liked it. So I came out of it more positive. Hearing him talk about it, hearing the themes that 
you know that i got out of it this time around hopefully you guys are more positive on it and you guys aren't real toxic to each other or towards star wars as a whole because it's star wars we want to enjoy all of star wars right and we want people to want to join star wars also so stop attacking them exactly right? stop yeah. attacking Seriously. stop being racist stop let's be more inclusive as star wars fans well i mean me and chris hawk are very in, inclusive and open-minded star wars fans for some reason there are star wars fans out, not saying that all star wars fans are like that but there are star wars fans out there who are ruining it for the rest of us and those people need to shut the fuck up. You need to shut the fuck <laughs> up. Seriously, it's the very vocal, racist, toxic fandom out there that is ruining. You know, yeah. you know, it's part of me that thinks social media was one of the worst inventions of all time. Because yeah, well, Twitter, yeah, because Day, uh, Daisy Ridley, Kelly Marie Tran, John Boyega, all, all said they received shit on Twitter and. Graham, just because Moses Ingram, Moses Ingram, it, recently, like Jar Jar Binks, Jar Jar Binks, uh, he actor, almost, he almost he almost committed suicide. Yeah, and uh, Jake Lloyd, Jake Jake Lloyd, Hayden Christensen got a lot of shit, a until, lot of shit, and now yeah, you know what it is. People love him now. Yeah, still should feel shitty about how you treated an actor, another human being on this earth who is just trying to do their fucking best. Do you think yeah. people go around trying to willingly and just trying to fuck things you know up? No one does. Yeah. Everyone I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know what these races, uninclusive, unopen-minded people who are against having all different, diverse type of people in Star Wars. Where I don't know what they do for a living, but what if somebody went? For what? like a full week straight, your whole shift for a full week straight, every day you go to work, let's say you work Monday to Friday, whatever it is, and you work eight hours. What if for all eight hours for that whole week, everybody does shit all over you? Okay? And they shit all over you. <laughs> yes. So shut the fuck up. Stop ruining it for the rest of the Star Wars fans who want to see more diverse characters and better stories and new things. So we're not just reliving in the past. And we're pushing stories forward so it's better for everybody. Chris Hawk, take it away with the send off. Look, stop being mean to everyone. <laughs> we want exactly. to thank you always <laughs> for listening with us. We want to thank you for watching with us. And we want to thank you for exploring with us the better empathetic sides of our souls so we can grow and learn to be better people this may be the last fire and ice but it's not the last chance for you to be a better human every single day there's a <laughs> chance for you yes. to be a better human. i agree with that statement <laughs> remember kindness yes Just be kind Stop and waiting in the sky. He'd 
Stop.